All right, welcome to the post-game show presented by Rico, Chris McPherson, alongside former Eels linebacker Ike Reese. And Ike, this is a, an unusual position for us doing the post-game show over the last year. The Eagles on the losing end of a 27-21 decision at the hands of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers got out to a 27-7 lead using explosive plays early in the third quarter. The Eagles showed a lot of fight to get back in the ball game, but in the end, it just wasn't enough and the Eagles fall to 1-1 one one on the season. We're going to hear from head coach Doug Pierce and quarterback Nick Foles while their press conferences, as well as uh, Mike Quick's exclusive one-on-one -on -one interview with the coach as well, coming up later on on the show. But big picture here, Ike, we'll start with the offensive side of the ball. Just not enough explosion. All right, Tampa Bay was able to get some big plays starting right off the jump with Deshaun Jackson's 75-yard touchdown against Jalen Mills and Malcolm Jenkins, but the Eagles had to methodically move the ball throughout the course of the game. Thought Nick Foles played very well, but just not enough playmakers for him to get those chunk yards and it seemed like the Eagles wanted to take a grind-it-out approach, which worked through the first half until, once again, the Bucks struck with another 75-yard touchdown pass from Brian Fitzpatrick to O.J. Howard. Some poor tackling led to that big play there, and the Eagles were playing catch-up from there. Uh, falling behind 20 to 7 going into the halftime and losing 27 to 21 night. Yeah, when the, when when the Eagles look back at this game, that's really what they're going to be kicking themselves about, Chris. Is the big plays they gave up on defense. I thought offensively they did what they wanted to do. They know that they are lacking explosive players in this offense. You don't have Alshon Jeffrey. Jay Ajayi went out early. Kudos to him for being able to fight through that back issue, come back in there and try to tough it out to help this team. But just not enough explosive players. No Darren Sproles today. So when you know you don't, you don't have the, the ability to really score within two or three plays, you're going to have to move down the field methodically. And I thought the Eagles did that uh, at times today. But when I look at this game, it really boils down to two plays. I mean, the first play of the game, you cannot give up a 75-yard touchdown pass to former Eagle Deshaun Jackson. you got to make the Bucks work to get the ball in the end zone. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick has done a nice job the last two weeks, but just too many easy touchdowns for him. A one-play touchdown drive there. The Eagles get a little momentum back after the Corey Clement touchdown, and then the defense turns around and give up a one-play scoring drive, scoring drive to O.J. Howard due to poor tackling. You can't have that. This is too good of a defense. I'm pretty sure they're going to hold themselves accountable when it comes to that because they pride themselves on forcing teams to really work to put six points on the board. You may move the ball in between the 20s or in between the goal lines, but this team doesn't usually give up touchdowns from the, uh, the defensive side. And to give up two one-play drives, I'm sure Jim Schwartz and his players, that's what they're going to look back at this game and think about all game is that, man, there's no way we should have given up one-play drives to this team had we just made them work. Who knows? You get a turnover. There were a couple times Tampa was moving the ball, and we came up with big turnovers. And that's what you have to do when you're playing against a, a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick. See if he can play mistake-free for 10 to 12 plays. You give him a score in one play, his confidence gets going. And that's what happened for this Bucks offense. They were riding high after putting up 48 points against the Saints on the road last week. And then you allow him to get comfortable by having easy scoring drives. The Eagles defense, I thought, didn't do their offense any favors. We knew the offense was shorthanded. You knew the offense. You're going to have to keep the uh, you're going to have to keep the points down in order to give yourself a chance. I thought this offense battled all day. I thought Nick battled all day. You had some guys contribute that you didn't necessarily think were going to contribute coming into the game. They fall short six points in this game. This is a game that was very winnable for them. 
you give the Bucks a chance to come out early on you, I guess you want to take you want to take something out of this game, a silver lining, is the fact that they played like champions and they didn't roll over. I'm talking yes. about over 100 degrees out there down on the field. This team didn't give up. I saw players in the first half dropping like flies. You didn't know who was going to be left at the end of this game. Uh, like I said, if there's any silver lining in this, is that this team didn't give up. That's the heart of a champion. Uh, there's some things they can learn from this moving on to next week. But this was a winnable game for them. This was a winnable game. And a lot of fans are just going to say it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback right there. When you saw the schedule come out, that was going to be a win right. for the Eagles. And that's, I think, going to be some of the disappointment there for fans right off the jump. And also the fact that this was a winnable game when it came down to the end. They knew going into this game that they had to stop those explosive playmakers. Tampa Bay had nine plays of 20 yards or more in the past game against New Orleans a week ago. The Eagles, they wanted to button that down after giving up five such plays to the Falcons in their week one win. Well, the first play of the game, as we see, Deshaun Jackson against Jalen Mills. Malcolm Jenkins came down, seeming to defend the slant route, and then Jackson took off on the post, knowing probably that Jalen Mills had been, you know, had had trouble with double moves in the past. And unfortunately, Jackson got over the top. And once you're over the top, there's no help there. That was going to be an easy touchdown. But the defense buckled down after that point and seemed to settle in. And you felt like, okay, if the Eagles can get that touchdown back, which they did on the Corey Clement touchdown, a 15-yard run, you felt like the Eagles had them right where they wanted them. Yeah. Okay, the defense was rolling. And then on the very next play, the first play from scrimmage after that touchdown, it's a pass play over the middle to O.J. Howard. Uh, Jordan Hicks had good coverage but wasn't able to make the tackle. Then Ronald Darby went to go for the strip instead of a tackle. And then after that, Howard was off to the race because Howard's a very athletic tight end, very fast, very much in a, in a Zach Ertz mold mold, maybe even more athletic than Zach Ertz, but still able to take it to the house from there. And you just felt at that point from the defensive side, it's going to be so hard for the Eagles offense to get back into it because they had to move the ball so methodically down the field. Again, kudos to Nick Foles because he took a pounding down yeah. there in the backfield uh, today from the Bucks defenders. But overall, you know, didn't make a lot of mistakes, was smart with the football, got the ball quickly when he had to. You know, there just weren't enough playmakers to help him on the outside. And, and Ike, we were talking about this a little bit off camera. That's what's so concerning watching the Eagles offense early in the season is the fact that there's not a lot of difference between this offense and the one at the end of the 2017 campaign when you didn't have Carson Wentz and players like that. But still, you didn't have Darren Sproles at that time either, yet there's not a lot of difference, but the, the explosion just isn't there. It, it just seems like it's very hard for this team to get going. You have Nelson Aguilar. Obviously, you don't have Jeffrey right now. You still have Zach Ertz, but those big places are, aren't as abundant as they were at the end of 2017. Yeah, and they got to find their rhythm, right? You know, as an offense, you got to be able to find those plays within the without. I mean, with within the course of the game, you got to be able. They're not going to be there uh, readily for you when you dial them up, but you're going to have to be able to find big plays in the game, guys that can take you know a 10-yard pass and go 20, 30, 40 yards. That's what you're sort of missing. We saw Nelson be able to do that with one of his long receptions the other day, but you need just a little more of that. And I'll tell you another thing that I think is hurting the offense a little bit. The running game isn't as consistent. You know, a big part of this uh, offensive success last year, especially in the postseason when they got things clicking, is that they were able to run the ball. And when you run the ball, you set up play action. And that's where Nick does his work. When he's able to put that ball in the belly of the running back, pull it out, whether it's an RPO or it's a play action, roll pass, that's when Nick can get in the rhythm. I tell you, Nick is a little better 
on the move that most people will give him credit for. He can extend plays. He's not going to outrun guys, but he can extend plays if you get him outside the pocket. And I think that's sort of what they're missing. Inconsistent running the football. They ran it at times well today, but yeah. just wasn't as consistent with it. And here's the other thing. Penalties in the first half killed them. Far too many uh, instances where they were behind the chains, first and first 15. And 30. First, first and 30. First and 30. Well, that's, no, that's unheard of. Doug doesn't have a play call for first I, and 30. I think there was a second and 40 second or a first and 40. And 40. I mean, I, that down in distance is unheard of, and that's difficult to find any rhythm. Doug can look at that play chart all he wants to. He knows there are no plays on that play chart <laughs> to convert yeah. when it's first and 40. So penalties early in the game. I thought they killed the drives for the offense. I thought they, they settled down. And in the second half, they were a much better offense in the second half than they were in the first half. Just couldn't get key stops at the, at the right time from the defense. Even that final touchdown to Nelson Aguilar, that's a great drive there that was, that was started by the defense. Malcolm Jenkins punching the ball out from Mike Evans when they got a chance to go down and extend their drive. That's a great throw to Nelson Aguilar in the end zone. But now we need the defense to get get a three and out, get a stop to get the ball back to the offense with a little time on the clock. And the, and the Bucks were able to get a couple first downs, yeah. not one, but a couple first downs. They pretty much drain the clock and leave the Eagles with the you know first and ten situation inside their twenty yard line and like just eighteen they, seconds they, to go. They, or they something. didn't have a chance yeah. with no timeouts yeah. at that point. There, you talked about the miscues. You know, again, second week in a row where the opposing team gets an early star on them. Last week, at least they were able to hold a land to the field goal. This time around, Nas Lucky, obviously with the Jackson touchdown. Uh, Corey Clement had a big punt return in the first half that was brought back to, due to a Josh Perkins blocking the back penalty. You had a first down run by Clement where you lost yards because Nelson Aguilar had an illegal block on it. Yeah. You had a big game by Mike Wallace that was wiped out by a Jason Peters penalty. So Those are the ones that hurt you, man. Yeah, they killed the drives. That's the biggest thing. is, And especially in a game like this where you knew – that you didn't have to be perfect on offense, but there wasn't that huge margin for error. Those little things will add up over the course of the game to put you in a, in a bad situation there. Uh, what did you think of the defenses scheming those Bucks receivers? Because you go from top to bottom, and we, we saw how talented they are from Deshaun, obviously, to Mike Evans, to Chris Godwin had a touchdown pass as well, and they have the two tight ends with Howard and Brait. What did you think of the defense and the way that they were playing mostly off coverage and allowing Fitzpatrick to kind of dink and dunk his way until those big plays over the top were available? It's a difficult way to live. It just is. If you're not going to get up and challenge receivers in this league, you're going to give them free releases and then hope you can come up and make the tackle. When you have skill position players like a Mike Evans, Chris, uh, Chris Godwin, Deshaun Jackson, uh, even O.J. Howard. I mean, that was really yeah. just a 10-yard pass that he wound up taking, what, 70 yards, 75 yards for a touchdown. You just can't have that. But those are the type of skill position players that the Bucks have. And I, I think what it says is is there there's a little bit of uh, lack of confidence, I, I think, from, from the individual players when you don't want to get up there and challenge these guys at the line of scrimmage. When you're trying to keep from getting beat over the top, uh, we're going to have to figure out a way to challenge some of these guys because there are no days off. There are no Sundays off in the NFL when it comes to playing defensive back. Just about every team has go-to guys that can make plays. The wide receiver position has become the most athletic, the best athletes on the field in today's NFL. And when you allow these guys free releases and able to catch the ball, I mean, Deshaun Jackson catching the ball in the open field, that's a punt return to him. So, you know, it's going to be hard to bring him down one-on-one. Even a guy like Mike Evans, great job by Malcolm Jenkins being able to strip the ball from him. Well, most times Mike Evans is going to make a guy miss, and then he's out the door for a big play. So, I mean, it's 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 something that we, we've – 
got to adjust to. We saw it last week, gave up a lot of plays underneath to Matt Ryan and, and Julio Jones. But I'll tell you, Chris, you can't, you can't make a living in this league trying to play with your back to the goal line, meaning that if you just want to keep guys in front of you and we're going to get to the red zone and try to play stout defense then and see if we can keep them out, it's going to be difficult to do, man. Everybody isn't Steve Sarkeesian. You know, some of these, you get these guys multiple opportunities down the red zone, they're going to come up with schemes to get their best players free. And when you face a team like the Bucks, who do you double? I mean, who, who are you trying to take away? Whatever guy you don't you, even have to double. It, Look at the Mike Evans touchdown. It was against Jalen Mills. It was right. a two-way go. He just took the slant. Easy pitch and catch right there. Well, Chris Godwin got that, wide open. As a defense, his. if you try to key in on one of these guys, then you're leaving single coverage for somebody else. And with this offense that the Bucks have, they're just too skilled. And if you can't get to Ryan Fitzpatrick and rattle him, make him throw errant passes, he was comfortable back there today. I mean, he had time to throw the ball just like he did last week against New Orleans. And I know we make fun of Fitzmagic, but he's a 36-year-old that's seen a whole lot, that started a lot of football games. They're playing at home. He's comfortable. And that's, really, that's pretty much what that boiled down to. You couldn't get to him. I mean, 80% completion percentage, that's unheard of. I didn't realize it was league. that high. 80%. I knew the 400 yards, four touchdowns once again. Wow. And the interception wasn't even his fault. It was a bobble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ball gets knocked into the air. And, yeah. and the, you know, you were looking for a play like that to turn the tide. Yeah. I thought the pass rush was good in the first half. But it seemed like, especially after the Bucks got that second touchdown from O.J. Howard, it seemed like that those guys were wearing down. You know, the heat's obviously going to play a factor. You, yeah. you could be rotating guys in and out. But you need the star players. You need Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, those guys to step up. And those guys, those guys are going to be wearing down throughout the course of the game because of that heat, no matter how good a rotation you have. So I felt like that if they weren't going to bring the blitz, which they tried at times, but Fitzpatrick, to his credit, understanding what defenses are going to try to do to him, they were able to block it up nicely, and he was able to find the open receiver. I felt like that the strategy there was they needed to win up front with the front four. They did so early on. They at least did so in the run game to make it so that they weren't two-dimensional from that standpoint. But nonetheless, though, relying on that four-man pass rush it wasn't going to pay off dividends when the Bucks are willing to keep an extra blocker in to make sure that they get. I mean, there were some plays. It was a two-man route. I think the yeah. opening play was a two-man two route. route. Yeah. It was a two-man route. It was just Evans and Jackson. But when you have two skilled position players like that, it can work for you. And, and here's the thing that the Eagles defense and Jim Schwartz, they're going to have to come to realize when you're facing teams because there's such a great reputation with the front four, front eight of this defense. Teams aren't going to wait until they are in obvious passing situations to try to take their shots. They're going to take their shots on first down. When you think we're going to run the football, we're going to get in base personnel, we're going to match, match protect, and then we're going to run a two-man route. That was the first play of the game. That was a run uh, uh, personnel offense for Tampa. And true to form, they had a play action. You get Malcolm jumping up, thinking it's going to be a run. You got two backs in there. You got two receivers, and you got a tight end. And next thing you know, that's really a max protection formation. And they really just want to see who can they get, Mike Evans on a crossing route or Deshaun uh, Jackson going deep in the post. And so because of how good their defensive front is, teams aren't going to let you dictate to when you can come after their quarterback. They're going to try to hit you first, and that's typically going to come on first down. Now, if you get, in a, get them in an obvious passing situation, then they have to throw the ball, but they want to try to catch this Eagles defense by surprise by throwing the ball on first down and taking their shots on first down. What's interesting, Ike, is, and you, we were talking about this a little bit before off camera, you go back to the end of last season, the road games. You know, at, at New York, 
at the end of the season, uh, you go back to the, uh, the Super Bowl you know, against New England. You look at the defense here today. The, the defense on the road just isn't as stout as it is at home. Yeah. I don't know if there's a rhyme or reason to it, but for whatever reason, you can't really find a, a common thread between all the teams. I mean, all teams you can't really say that with the offenses are explosive. They right. certainly have, all have playmakers, but outside of that, it's bizarre to see how good and how dominant this defense can be at home, like we saw in the season opener against Atlanta, only to come back here and you're giving up, you know, 436 yards, but again, 393 of them through the air. Yeah, you look at the tail of the tape there, man. I mean, they dominated in time of possession. Tampa Bay was basically one-dimensional today, throwing the ball. I mean, when they look at this tail of the tape, this stat sheet after the game, they're going to be kicking themselves because it's going to come back to two plays. It's going to come back to the first play of the game, and then the first play after you had gotten yourself back into the game with the Corey Clement touchdown, the big touchdown to O.J. Howard. I mean, really, that's the difference in the ball game yeah. today. I mean, that's the difference in the ball game today is those, those two big plays. I look at that, that tail of the tape, and I'm saying, well, the Eagles played well enough to win this game with the exception of two plays. And that's the difference in the NFL. It normally isn't a huge gap between the talent from either teams when you're facing each other. It's usually a couple plays that either the other team hits on and you miss on. That's the difference between you winning and losing the ball game. Going back to that time of possession there, again, 35, almost 36 minutes there for the Eagles. I thought that would work in their advantage. Yes. I was thinking the way the offense was moving the ball methodically, I thought they could wear down that Bucks defensive line. but. At the end of the game, Jason Pierre-Paul was still making plays. Bo Allen had to come out with a foot injury, but Gerald McCoy had a big sack late. I was hoping that this offensive line for the Eagles would be able to run the defensive line of the Bucks into the ground, knowing that they don't have the depth, especially from the pass rusher standpoint, yeah. and they would be able to take advantage there. But you know, just because they had to play catch-up so frequently and get those points quickly, it just wasn't, it wasn't made to be. Yeah, I, I, and you know – Doug looks at that and he says, well, we did what we wanted to do offensively. You know, we'll, we'll take this. Of course, you got to have um, uh, Jake Elliott. You got to make your field goals. Certainly. You, you got to knock those in. But other than that, when the Eagles got down to the scoring area, they scored. They, they, they typically scored. So uh, I thought offensively, you did what you wanted to do. We just didn't do, in my opinion, what we wanted to do defensively. You got to make Tampa drive that ball 10, 12 plays eat up some of that clock. And the reason why you want to do that, because the likelihood of a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick making a mistake within those 12 plays, it increases. But if you just allow him to score on one play drives, this, his work is done. It's yeah. easy work for him. So I thought the defense came up a little bit short today, although they made some big plays to help, help us get back in the game. I just think those two plays, man, when they, when they, get, when they get on that plane headed back up north here to Philly, they're going to think about those two plays more than anything because everything else, in my opinion, was what I thought it was going to be. Tampa is a good, good football team when Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't a turnover machine. You don't go to New Orleans and put up 48 points on Drew Brees and the Saints without being a good team. They have skilled position players, very explosive, but if the quarterback isn't going to be made to feel uncomfortable in the pocket, then you're going to have a long day, especially on the road in his house and in that type of heat out there. Exactly. The one drive that stood out to me outside of the big explosive plays was the one late in the first half where Chris Godwin got the eight-yard touchdown reception. Yeah. Fitzpatrick was 5-5 five of five on that drive. It was six plays. It was very easy. And that's where you started wondering, did the defense have enough fight left in it to be able to come back in this ball game? That's where you sort of started to say to yourself, 
Well, you know, here's a situation where they just got the explosive play touchdown. Offense doesn't muster anything. Do we have to be perfect? I think the defense knew early in the season with the injuries on the offensive side of the ball that they would have to be much better. So let's find out what the coach has to say. Let's send it to Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of disappoint, disappointed guys, quite honestly. Um, a lot of self-inflicted wounds today. You know, um, obviously got beat. We got to take the loss. We got to learn from it. But, you know, I try to preach to our guys that, um, you know, a lot of times it's, it's, it's our execution. You know, it's what we do and uh, that really matters. And uh, we weren't uh, successful in that area today. So a lot, of, a lot of dejected players. But, you know, there's a lot of, fo- a lot of, a lot of football left. And, and um you know, we'll uh, we'll get it fixed on the uh, next couple of days and get ready for next week. Exactly. Yeah, no, I was just got to look at the tape and, and see what happened. I mean, it, you know, um, we just got to make sure we're in position to make those plays and be ready for it, especially early in a football game. And and uh, I won't speculate on it until I see the film, obviously, and, and see who see who uh, uh, we need to correct. Well, yeah. I mean, anytime you're, you know, you're down a couple of bodies, it, it, uh, you know, it affects you offensively. It, 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 it tweaks your plan a little bit. But we got confidence in the other guys to step in, and, and, um, you know, we rely a little bit more on the run game and, and uh, some of the things there. But the thing was, we kept going backwards. The whole first half, we were, you know, we weren't staying ahead of the sticks. We were getting penalties and lost yardage on first or second down, and just playing from behind a lot. So, you know, yeah, the the injuries hurt, but, but again, it's self-inflicted. No, I mean, you know, he's worked with those guys before, but at the same time, you know, we've got to do coaches and players offensively. We got to do our job, make sure that we're we're putting these guys in position to be successful, and and uh, you know, obviously by by play call, play design that that starts with me, and and uh, uh, making sure that the, the plays that with the the guys that go in the game that they can handle. So it's not it's not on one person. I was going for it anyway, regardless of percentages. We were plus 50. I mean, we were. I was going for it. I felt we had a little momentum on that drive, and and uh, uh, felt confident that we were going to get the uh, uh, get the first down. So I, I was going for that one. Yeah, I mean, I think the, I felt like the defense was going to be, you know, soft, cover two-ish, and and uh, five-man box, and chance to maybe break a run. I guess. Does that, that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. All right. Does those the slow starts on, on, on the offensive side? What do you attribute that? Slow starts. Um, gosh, good question. Um, you know, it's uh, I don't know. Um. It's an area that we got to address the next couple of days. Got to fix it moving forward. Um, you know, it's 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 every man has to look at themselves, me included, and uh, start with that and uh, make sure that we're ready to go. They were lethal on first down, Doug. I mean, not just the two seventy-five yard touchdowns, but just a, a number of big plays on first down. Um, anything 
Well, uh, that's what we talked about all week. You know, we, we had like five plus uh, 20 yard gains, I think, in the Atlanta game and uh, def- against our defense, and then and the, the, you know, the couple today. And we talk about eliminating the big play. And, and then conversely, offensively, we try to create the big play. And, and big plays can come either in the run game or the passing game. And, um, you know, again, offensively, we were just, we were just so far behind, you know, in the, in the first half, just with penalties or lost yardage that it's, it's tough. And, uh, uh, you want to be able to, on first or second down, be able to, you know, shoot the ball down the field and, and do some things that way. But, uh, again, we got to – just got to look at it, man. We just got to look at it, each person, you know, man-to-man, and just, just uh, own the, own the uh, you know, own this game and, and move on. I'll talk about that later this week. It seemed like we saw a lot more Josh Perkins than Dallas Goddard. Well, a lot of times, you know, with the, with the tight end situation um, – you know, some of it's by game plan. And then when we lose some receivers, you know, we start having to use the second or third tight end, and and um, um, and then plus it, it listen, it's it's a complex thing because it starts moving bodies around, and and um, without getting um, real specific with the game plan, because obviously you don't know the game plan, um, just one 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 part that goes down, then you have to adjust everybody else, and uh, a lot of times it's easier with Perk in the game. Uh, Dallas played, but at the same time, uh, it didn't change our receivers on the outside. It kept those guys, you know, sort of in their same spots. Again, you, you don't know, and this is not against you, but I'm just saying, without knowing the offense and the formations and the personnel that we have, um, it's a, uh, um, it can be a chess match moving, moving multiple parts on offense. Does that, I mean, does that make sense? It, it, yeah, I know. It, it's complicated because you don't know the plan. That's, and that's nothing against you. I'm just saying you don't. When you don't know the plan, the formations, where we move guys and have guys specific in the game plan, if one guy goes down, now it shuffles the whole thing. And, and so it's, we can keep it real consistent by just moving one part and not many parts. I know, I just confused you more. Sorry. Yeah, you know, and, and listen, I, I'm, I can't go back and, and relive those days because it's a new football team, new season. Now, we're going to learn from this, and, and we're going to be better. And I, and, and I you know, uh, vowed to the team in there that, that we will get better. And uh, obviously that starts with me. But, you know, we do have to remember what we did a year ago, but at the same time I'm not going to pull back anything, you know, go back and start pulling out any kind of memories because new football team, new faces, and uh, we got our own set of circumstances now to, to fix. So, how did you get them? Like you said, you said earlier that uh, you're, you know, you're talking about Carson this weekend. Does that mean that it's a consideration and it's a return? Yeah, I'll talk more about it uh, probably tomorrow, probably. I think you do Yeah, I thought you saw you saw his resiliency. I mean, he took some shots early and and, and stayed in there and and uh, you know rebounded, made some made some nice throws, good decisions, led led a couple nice drives. But again, we'll uh, evaluate it and we'll see where he's at. And uh, um, you know, we got everybody's got to look at it and, and, and make corrections and move forward. Yeah, it was it was enough to, to keep him out. I didn't want to risk it any further uh, with him in the game. And uh, it was early, early enough to, to just, just if, if emergency situation if we needed to.
like there were two. Yeah, I, yeah, there were a couple things. I, I don't remember offhand. Okay. Oh. Yeah, we'll get back to Philly. Um, we'll check on him again. Probably have an update for you tomorrow. Okay, thanks. All right, head coach Doug Pearson addressing the media at Raymond James Stadium. Obviously a bunch of disappointed and dejected guys in the locker room. Went into a long explanation about why we saw a lot of Josh Perkins, who was very productive in the timeout on the field. To me, just offers more of the receiver element, knows more about that facet of the offense at this point than Dallas Goddard, but we still expect to see plenty of him in the future. But I'm sure fans are going to be wondering, saying, this was a guy who shined in the summer, you know, was good in the preseason, was your, your top draft pick in 2018. How can we see more of him when you need those playmakers, but you need someone who can work on the outside, especially with those very good linebackers in Quan Alexander and Levante David. So uh, injury front, though, that's the big thing early on. And it happened very early in the game, too, where Jai went down, came back in the second half and scored the touchdown. Mike Wallace had the one nice play but got injured. It was an ankle injury. He came out of the game, and then Jason Peters exited the game, and you know that's something you don't want to see, especially with the pass rushers that the Buccaneers have come into this matchup. But overall, I thought Big V acquitted himself nicely. He gave yeah. up a one sack early on there against Jason Pierre-Paul, but for the most part, he settled in. I thought it was more like what we saw from him in 2017, which, you know, with Peters getting up there in age, you know you need that backup guy and Vitae to be ready at all times. And I thought he did a better job today. I thought there were times where... Bowles had time in the pocket. Oh, yeah. He definitely had the time. The pass protection wasn't the issue. It was just he didn't have the playmakers to get open. To get open. I mean, that's basically what it boils down to. And when you're talking about Joshua Perkins getting a nod today, you know, Doug, if I can explain it in layman's terms, he's basically looking for one-on-one matchups that he can take advantage of. And so with a guy who's a former wide receiver, he feels like against speedy linebackers, uh, uh, Perkins is probably better suited to probably break free from one of those guys. So uh, believe me. I had to look up the glossary and find out who Joshua Perkins was myself, uh, but I don't know if Dallas Goddard could have did any better than four catches for 57 yards today. So, you know, I thought Perkins did a great job of uh, coming in, filling in, um, in a tough situation on the road. Didn't really have any any miscues out there except no. for maybe one. So I, I don't think that was the issue at all. I thought Doug hit it right on the head when he said, shot themselves in the foot in the first half. That's basically what it boiled down to. Too many self-inflicted uh, uh, wounds, talking about penalties, the stalled drives, even the Mike Wallace play where he made a nice move to get himself down the field. Not only does he injure, he doesn't get injured, it's a penalty on the play oh, Pierce, yep. that brings it back. So uh, to me, that's what the first half boiled down to. Just too many self-inflicted wounds to where you couldn't overcome them in the first half. Defense, I thought, settled down in between that first play that uh, Deshaun had scored on. The two and, explosive plays, yeah, basically. The two, the two explosive plays, basically. And I thought they had settled down. The second half, it, to me, it was a completely different second half. I thought the Eagles outplayed the Bucks in the second half, and the Bucks were really trying to hold on to win that game. You know, So uh, that's something that this team will learn from. Uh, that's not an easy place to go down there and play when you look at the, the, the conditions, the weather, being down there, going up against a hot team. And here's the other thing I tried to preach all week, Chris, on, on, on my show. The Eagles are circled on everyone's calendar of course. that's on the schedule. You're the defending champions. And when you come to town, you're going to get the best shot from everyone. You just are. And when it doesn't look like you're at full strength, 
that gives the other team that much more confidence. So, you know, you're not going to be able to sneak up on anybody. And this team uh, needs to get with the mindset that every time, especially when they go on the road, it's one thing at home because you have, you have, you have the energy of the crowd to sort of feed off of. But when you're on the road, you got to come in ready to play from the opening kickoff. And you're not helping yourself by giving up that first play touchdown to the Sean right. Jackson. That's the biggest thing is you figure if you could go out there, get that early score, kind of take the wind out of their sail, so to speak, down there at Raymond James Stadium, you would feel good about yourself. Yeah. But even still, they got to a point there in the first half after that Clement touchdown where you said, all right, if they can at least keep it close for halftime, they got the ball to start the second half, they had them right where they wanted them. Then they gave up the explosive play touchdown to O.J. Howard. They gave up the drive, the quick drive that ended with the Godwin touchdown. And a missed field goal in there. And a missed field goal in yeah. there, exactly. You thought you could get that going to halftime. That's where you just said to yourself, maybe it's not going to be our day. But they, they battled back they at fought, the end. Yeah. You know, that game at 27-7, to that easily could have been, look, we've lost a number of key guys. They, they lost a number of key guys already. Let's make sure that we can get things, get the guys back on the bus healthy and get them back to Philly in one piece. So, now, on top of the game, as always, the Hall of Fame duo of Merrill Reese and Mike Quick, thanks to Sports Radio 94 WIP, we bring you the highlights from the game, courtesy of Merrill Camp.
thought it was 100 degrees down yeah. there in Tampa Bay today. Those two look calm, cool, and collected. <laughs> Even Mike addressing the Merrill camp during the broadcast. See, he, he's yeah. savvy enough. <laughs> he knows what's going on. So we're waiting here from quarterback Nick Foles in just a little bit. But to the point you made before about how every team has circled the Eagles on the calendar, to me, how it works in the Eagles' favor is when a team like Tampa that's trying to find itself gets ahead big in the second half like they did 27-7, they have to start thinking, are the Eagles going to come back? Right, And that's sure. the thing. And after seeing what the Eagles pulled off last season, the Eagles have that intensity, they have that mentality to be able to fight back and come from behind. And when it started getting close, when it got to 27-21, the Bucks probably had to wonder, uh-oh, is this going to be a, a bad situation for us? So that at least can help the Eagles moving forward, having that mentality of knowing that, look, you can get up on us, but we're going to find a way to fight back especially as guys are going to continue to come back to the offense later on as the season progresses, whether we see Carson Wentz next week against Indianapolis or not, you know, whether it's Alshon Jeffrey back in the lineup, these guys are going to get healthy. And not that injuries are an excuse anymore because it certainly wasn't for the Eagles last season. You've got to go out there with who you have and win with that team. But nonetheless, though, still, they have the air about themselves that because they are the defending champs, they are going to be a tough out no matter how big a lead you have on them at any point in the game. Yeah, and the one thing that the Eagles have going in their favor, and this is really what almost cost the Bucks today, you can't run on this Eagles defense. I mean, 48 yards rushing for the Buccaneers today. They would have loved to be able to run the clock down on the Eagles, but they couldn't run the ball on the Eagles. The Eagles defensively did, they want, did what they wanted to do as far as making Tampa one-dimensional. The only problem is that one dimension is really what hurt them today, which is defending the pass. And we're going to have to shore some things up uh, in that secondary. We certainly have enough talent there in the secondary, but we got to figure out a way to challenge these wide receivers. You know, next week, you're going to have T.Y. Hilton coming in here next week. You got Eric Ebron at tight end, who's like another big wide receiver you're going to have to face next week, along with Andrew Luck. So uh, if teams realize that you aren't going to let them run the football, they're going to just chuck it. They're going to just keep putting it up on you. And so we have to figure out a way to become better at defending the pass and not relying so much on our pass rush to get to the quarterback. We got to challenge these receivers at the line of yeah. scrimmage. We got to challenge these tight ends uh, at the line of scrimmage. Bat balls away. Pretty much like they did last week when they needed to rise to the occasion against the Atlanta Falcons. That's what this secondary is going to have to do. It really handcuffs Jim Swartz when – He's had when he has to call defenses where your 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 corners are playing off and you're giving guys a ten yard cushion. Is that bend but, but don't break yeah, the house? And, and, and you're not going to offensive coordinators are too good in this league for you to survive that way. I mean, for Ryan Fitzpatrick to be able to throw for four hundred yards today against this Eagles defense, that shouldn't happen. And I know the Saints defense isn't as good as the Eagles defense. But this is a pretty good Eagles defense, and to have Ryan Fitzpatrick have the plays that he had today, and I don't even know if he did so much to earn them other than, you know, the two plays they got that was 150 yards. Yeah, he, he put, put it, it there. there, and his guys did the rest of the work. But, you know, Jim Swartz is going to be saying to himself, hey, look, especially on the O.J. Howard uh, touchdown, I called the right defense. We got to come up and make the tackle. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to give up a 10-yard, 15-yard pass and play. Okay. They, they get paid as well. You make the tackle, and you live to fight another day. But you can't let a 10-yard pass turn into a 75-yard touchdown. The first player of the game, hats off. I can't uh, think of the other uh, offensive coordinator for the uh, – Todd Munkin? Yeah, Todd Munkin. Yeah. Great play call from the uh, you know, opening player of the game. Hats off to him. 
But the rest of the game, I thought we did more of helping that Bucks offense than the uh, Bucks offense out executing us on defense. The first play of the game, I'll give them credit. For it that. was just reminiscent of 2010, yeah. Monday night in Washington. When and that's what D Jack does. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's what D Jack does. And you know that going into it. It's like I can tell you what you're going to do, but he still is able to do it anyway. You're not he able loves, to stop listen, he it. He loves so. playing against the Eagles. And he does. He does yeah. rise to the occasion against yeah. the Eagles and had everyone amped up for that part of it. Love to see Jalen Mills bounce back because over the summer and in the preseason, I thought he was fantastic. You know, that ability to read and react to what the opposing receivers would do, you know, the competitiveness that he brings out to the field, it just hasn't come through in these first two games. Now, of course, you're lining up mainly against Julio Jones and Deshaun Jackson, and that's going to happen. But as you mentioned, each and every week, there's going to be a big playmaker to account for, and you can't get into a situation where they're just going to move T.Y. Hilton over to Mills' side and then match them up all the time yeah. and say, you know, Ronald Darby's better in coverage. We'll just keep it away from him and then go over with that matchup against Mills. Mills has to find a way to shore it up, and I think he has the confidence and the ability to do so, but they're going to have to figure a way to mask that moving forward. Yeah, I, I tell you, um, listen, I love Jalen Mills, and he certainly is a key part to our, our success. He was last year. He will be moving forward. And far be it for me to try to be a coach and start moving guys around, making personnel decisions. But you got to think about Sidney Jones on the outside. I mean, Sidney Jones is just, he's faster. Uh, he's, he's a much better athlete than Jalen Mills. I mean, Sidney Jones is a top 10 pick if he's not injured going into the draft last year. And there's a reason for that because he has all the requisite skills you need to be a number one corner in this league. You got to have speed. You got to have recovery speed. You got to have athleticism. Most importantly, you got to have confidence that you can go up to the line of scrimmage and challenge guys in a bump and run situation. And if they beat you off the line of scrimmage, you have to have the ability to recover. And so, you know, I, I, I don't expect it to happen as recent as next week, but I mean, you're talking two weeks in a row where you got a corner who isn't necessarily challenging the receivers at the line of scrimmage and more or less playing off and then hoping to come up and make the tackle. And what happens is, is that when Jalen sees that slant come, he so desperately wants to come up and make the tackle. Now they're hitting with a double move. So, you know, and I, I think right now, and this is surprising to say about a guy like Jalen Mills, his confidence may be lacking a little bit right now. You're talking about back-to-back -back weeks where you're caught out there on the island and a touchdown is given up. Now, you got to have a short memory in this league as a corner in order to be successful because the other guys get paid as well, and they're going to make plays. But I just don't see the meals that I saw in the middle of last year when I was touting him to be a Pro Bowl corner when you looked at weeks four through weeks eight last year when he was just all over everybody that he had to come up against. He needs to get back to playing with that confidence, playing with that swagger. He's playing on his heels too much, and he's, re he's, he's allowing the offense to dictate how he plays as opposed to saying, I'm going to come up and I'm going to take away one thing. You may beat me with something else, but you're not beating me with this. Right now, he's allowing a two-way go for these guys. You can't win. Of, and you and can't it's, win. it's difficult to win that way, especially when you don't have the necessarily athletic ability to recover. That's the one thing that Ron Darby has in his favor is that he has the speed to recover if he misses you at the line of scrimmage with the jam. Or if you happen to get him on a double move, he's going to be faster than a lot of receivers. He's faster or as fast as Julio, faster than Mike Evans. So even if those guys beat him on a double move, he has the ability to catch up. 
and that's something that Jalen just physically lacks. But he's always been able to make up for that with his toughness, with his smarts, his intelligence, his ability to understand what routes are going to come yeah, against football him. football IQ is Yeah, amazing. his football IQ is there, and that's what it will allow you to play in this league for a long time. Just right now, he needs to get back to having that swagger and that confidence that he played with last year. I know we're not accustomed to doing these post-game shows like this coming off a loss, but you think go back to last season, look, week two, it was in Kansas City, another red-themed stadium. Yep. The Eagles went up against a high-octane offense in Kansas City, which was flying at the time with Kareem Hunt and Alex Smith as a trigger man and Tyreek Hill and all of them. Uh, and Travis Kelsey. Travis and, Kelsey, yeah. of course. Forget about him as well. So certainly it happened last year, and the Eagles were able to bounce back, and they had that amazing win against the New York Giants, which kind of catapulted the season from there. They're going to need to find that magic again as the Indianapolis Colts will come to town, Indianapolis – Beating Washington, so wow. you know hurting division rivals there. That's a big win. Huge. It's a huge win for them because the Colts are trying to find find themselves as Frank Reich has taken over as the head coach. Andrew Luck is back in the saddle. They're they're trying to get their identity on both sides of the ball really, and trying to figure out what kind of team they have. They're kind of in that 2016 Eagles mode when Doug Peterson took over. Yeah. So the Colts don't mind if they can upset a team here or there along the way. So they're coming in with big expectations. You know Frank Reich is going to want to upset the Eagles coming back to the house here. So and that's he knows the, the personnel. And he knows, he knows exactly. knows the personnel on both sides of the ball. He knows the personnel. Here. Yes. Smart coordinator knows he's going to come up with a good game plan. And he's going to see this tape and say, if the defense is going to continue to do this, I'm going to utilize my weapons in the same way. And look, the Colts don't have much of a running game themselves. No. They're going to be fine with Andrew Luck chucking the ball all over the field if they have to, if that's what it's going to take to win the football game. So the Eagles are going to have to get things shored up on that defensive side of the ball because the, the front is there. I love yeah. the front. I love the rotation. I love what the new guys have brought to the table. You know, I, I was really excited when Michael Bennett made a big play there in the second half during the comeback yeah. because you're looking, you're looking to see who's going to continue to set the tone, who's going to continue to fight, who's not going to give up because that championship mentality is going to be when the times get tough, when you're facing adversity for the first time. This team has not faced a lot of adversity. They've overcome injuries. But the thing is, they have not had to deal with a lot of losses on the football field and how to bounce back from that. Now that these guys, and some of these are new guys, okay, everyone's going to say, well, we have the culture in place. But the culture is all about the guys who are there presently. And if you're adding new people to the mix, it's going to change up the chemistry no matter what. You're going to have your leaders. You're going to have your core guys. But those new guys need to step up to the table. They need to come through in a big way. And that's what's happening. You're seeing guys who are coming in and making big plays like that. So seeing Michael Bennett do that in the second half was very encouraging to see. Seeing the, the team as a whole fight and making sure that they're going to be down 27-7, but they're going to make this a ball game. Okay, they, they may not come back and win, and they fell six points short today, losing 27-21, to 21, but they're going to come back and give the Bucks everything they have and say, you're going to need to fight until all 60 minutes to make sure you win this ball game. Okay, you're not going to be able to walk out of here and have your fans chanting and laughing at, at the Eagles as they're going off the field, losing by 20 points at the end of the game. You're going to sweat it out and say to yourselves, all right, you got a quality win, but we made you earn it for all 60 minutes. You have to know that. When you're playing the Eagles, that that's going to be the case, and that's good to see because, again, this team has not had to overcome certain types of adversity a lot in the last year. Again, they lost week two, okay, to the Chiefs last year. Then they, they didn't lose again until early December in Seattle. Right. <laughs> and then they had, then they had to, to flip things right away because they had to go to L.A. with a chance to clinch the division and possibly everything go into a free-for-all if they don't win that game from a home field advantage standpoint. 
and then they lose Carson Wentz, so you're kind of galvanizing behind Nick Foles to see what he can do, and you carry yourself just enough to get home field advantage, and you run that into the playoffs. Sure, you lose that regular season finale to Dallas, but you had you know Nate Sudfeld and primarily the backups finishing up that game. game. You don't yeah, count that game. So again, so from a losing standpoint, this is a team that's lost week two of last season and early December. That's it. So that's something that this team doesn't want to get accustomed to, but you need to find out how the guys are going to react when that happens. Are the guys going to all be back here in the building first thing Monday going over the tape and being energized and coming into work like you would after a victory? After a victory, everyone's bouncing around the building. Everyone's you know, walking on cloud nine. Everyone's excited. You're putting in the extra work. Are you going to do that after a loss? What was very encouraging going back to last week after the win over Atlanta, Zach Ertz, who's tried and tested and you know comes through in the clutch seems like every single week for this football team has some uncharacteristic drops for the Eagles in that win over Atlanta he got himself on that jugs machine as soon as he could to make sure that didn't happen again and he had 11 catches to the Ike okay he actually set a franchise record for the most games with double-digit receptions it was his sixth career outing with such an effort so 13 targets 11 receptions for him 94 yards you know he was the safety valve for that offense coming through with some big catches those ones that you're used to seeing him make time and time again being that that best friend for a quarterback over the middle of the field and even providing the big plays i mean he had the one big play down the sideline to ignite the offense there so late in the first half i believe it was so Overall, you saw Zach Ertz step up to the plate, but you just need that. Who's that other playmaker going to be in this offense? I'll tell you the other thing I, I, I take away from, from this game and really early in the season. This loss does not concern me. Bill Belichick said something a couple years ago when talking about his team and, and they had gotten off to a little bit of a struggle. It may have been last year when they got off to a 2-2 two and two start um, and only lost one more game the rest of the way. He said, there, there's no team who has established their identity the first four weeks of the season. No. These coaches, they rarely play their, their first-teamers in the preseason. So really, the first month of the season is an extended preseason because these guys are just getting used to playing a full game. Being out there for 60, 65 plays on either side of the ball is the first time for them. So, and when you look at a team like the Eagles, who had turnover in the offseason, when you look at personnel, they're still trying to form their, their identity. And, and you know, C-Mac, in, in, in training camp, uh, Doug didn't have these guys at his disposal. There were certain guys that were missing practice because they were banged up for whatever reason. And they are still trying to put, put together an identity for this team. And so it, it, may take, it may take another game or two. You hope you pull out wins despite that. But as far as playing a flawless game, as far as playing a clean game, as far as, as establishing who you are and what you're going to be for this season. Last year was last year. You're not the same team as you were last year. This is a new team. The identity for this team hasn't been established just yet. They're one and one through the first two weeks. You play at home next week. Take care of your business at home before you go on the road to Tennessee in two weeks. What you can't do is give away games. You can't dig yourself in a hole early in the Correct. season. So whereas when you do find your identity, it's too late. So you got to be able to put some wins together. That's the thing they were able to do last year. You talk about the loss after, after the Kansas City game. Well, we almost gave away the Giants game the following week. And if Jake Elliott doesn't hit the 61-yard field goal, we're headed we're, we're headed to overtime and who knows what happens. Exactly, and the season could be a different story. So yeah. let's hear from the quarterback now, Nick Foles down in Tampa.
Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is, you know, we can't shoot ourselves in the foot with penalties. Um, but, you know, looking back, you know, obviously we'll, we'll look at the film and grow. But I think the thing that I take from this game is, you know, how hard our team fought. I mean, Tampa Bay played a tremendous game. Um, they fought, obviously, extremely hard as well. But, you know, there's a lot of adversity in this game. This, this NFL is tough. Playing football is a, it's not an easy game. But I was really proud of my teammates and the coaches um, for fighting, you know, throughout all the adversity, um, even the mistakes we did make. Um, we never once turned on one another. We never put our heads down. We kept our heads up. We kept fighting. Um, we kept looking at the pictures, trying to, you know, fix what's going on. And, you know, that's what we'll continue to do. Um, that's what this organization's done. And uh, we will keep going. Nick, how tough is it on offense? Moving the ball, trying to get the rhythm where you guys had a lot of injuries. Alshon's not out there. Darren's not out there. Jay's coming in and out. Same with Jason. And then you lose Mike Wallace as well. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, that's the adversity I talk about. Um, it's something that, you know, you, you keep working. Um, guys step up all the time. And, uh, you know, that's what we did. We gave ourselves as a team an opportunity to win this game. And that's what, you, you know, that's the only thing you can do in this league. Obviously, you know, we want everyone healthy, but, you know, that's not really the case sometimes. This is a, a physical sport. Things happen. Um, so that's where the next guy has to come in and do his job to the best of his ability and I thought our guys stepped up today. Um, we gave ourselves an opportunity to win. We have to clean up a lot of the penalties um, and execution errors, but you know we will continue to do that. How much harder does it make life on you when you don't have those top guys? You know, I mean, it's my job. You know, I've been there. You know, I've played this game a long time. I mean, you're not always going to have everyone healthy. That's just part of this game. So, um, you know, I don't really focus on that. I focus on you know going out there, stepping in the huddle. Whoever's in that huddle, I, I trust them. You know. We got to get the job done, and you know there's a lot of guys that were injured this game. There's a lot of guys that got banged up, but we kept fighting, and that's what I'm gonna focus on. What was the explanation you got? I didn't get an explanation. Um, you know they they made the best decision. It's probably just not enough to overturn. Um, you know I felt you know when I was throwing it, my arm was going forward, but you know watching on the screen, you know right when my arm's going forward, the ball starts you know comes out weird. That happens when you're getting hit from behind. But at the end of the day, you know you have to keep moving forward. Um, they called the call, and you know. That's it. You know, we keep moving forward, keep fighting. On the fourth and four in the fourth quarter, what could have or should have been better? The fourth and four, um, like just in, just in general or? Um, Was that what you wanted there to put it where Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, we've converted a lot of those. Um, you know, anytime Doug calls a play, I, you know, we want to go for it. We want to be aggressive. That's just the one, you know, that we weren't able to, you know, get the first down. We were probably a couple inches short. And I have all the confidence in the world in Zach. That's why I went there. Um, we just missed that one. Um, you know, obviously that's a that's a big blow. But at the end of the day, like I don't second guess anything. You know, play comes in, we're going to execute it. That one didn't work out, but I you give me that play again, I'm going there again. You know, I have all the confidence in Zach, and we're going to get those plays. We have historically, and we're going to continue to be aggressive. And you know, I'm going to continue to trust my teammates. I'm going to always trust my coaches, and you know, it just didn't work out that time. Yeah, um, you know, that's something I have to go look back. I mean, that was, that was a physical game. There's a lot going on. Um, it's hard to just pinpoint a play, but, you know, I'll go back, I'll look at it, and see what I see. Were you able to get the ball out as quickly as you um, Just in general? Yeah. It seems like a lot of times you were looking at the second and third. Um, I mean, you're playing football. You know, I was playing. I was, you know, I thought their defense did a really, really good job of, 
you know, mixing things up, um, you know, keeping us on our heels, showing us different things. And I thought, you know, at the end of the day, you're not always going to go to your first guy. You got to go through your progressions. There were times where I did have to go through my progressions, which I do um, throughout each game. And, um, you know, but I felt good. I felt like when you look back at this game, it's just about the fight and just continuing to go through the adversity, through everything that's going on, just continue to fight. No, I already knew that. He didn't need to show me that. Um, I know that there's never a doubt in his toughness. Um, he just reiterates who he is. Um, you know, he's a guy that he's a tough player. He takes hits. He continues to go, um, and that, that's just who he is. So he didn't need to prove me anything. You know, whatever the, the organization, the team asks for me, I'm going to do. Um, obviously, you know, stepping in the huddle and playing the game, you know, is something that, you know, I love. And, you know, it's a, it's a crazy sport. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm going to focus right now on, you know, cleaning up this Tampa Bay. Um, but, you know, whatever the team asks for me, anytime I'm going to be there. And I'm going to help in any way possible. Who knows what will happen. Um, just from the game or just like everything? You know, I'm really not focused on that right now. Um, you know, that was a physical game. There was a lot. We gave everything we had. Tampa Bay gave everything they had. So I'm going to focus on that, live in the moment. Um, you know, I'm grateful and blessed to have played this game for as long as I have. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll go back on the bus, go home, um, see my wife, see my daughter, see my dog, uh, focus on that. You know, that's something I got to leave my, you know, got to make sure I say my dog. He gets angry when I don't mention him. Um, but, you know, that's what I focus on, and I keep going. Um, you know, whatever the team has, needs of me, I want to do and help in any way possible. You said, the, uh, you said they did a pretty good job of mixing things up on you. Were, were there any situations where you felt like there was a place to get out of, maybe in retrospect, you would have wanted to audible out of them? Or no. No, I think that, you know, that's just the game. Um, you know, I felt like you just have to, you know, sometimes they were moving after the snap, and I thought they did a good job mixing up their coverages. But, um, at the end of the day, you know, that's where we execute. And, you know, we gave ourselves a chance to win the game. Um, the NFL is not easy. Um, you know, our team, we, we stuck together. And that's what I will focus on. You're not always, you know, you want to win every single game. Um, you know, I, I look at this and guys gave everything they had this game. It just didn't turn out the way we wanted it to. But, you know, we'll continue to build on this. We'll continue to lean on each other like we always have. Um, we didn't win every single game last year. I think people forget that. You know, there's a lot of expectations for us. And, you know, we can't put that pressure on ourselves because uh, we always talk about the family. Um, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles, it's a family, and we have to focus on that. It took long Um, you just you just have to keep going. I mean, they, they happen. I mean, we had some big plays today. We had some things downfield, and they weren't necessarily how you drew, draw them up. And that, that's the game of football. Um, you can't force the big plays. Um, you just have to continue to play. I think uh, anytime you lose, it's not easy because um, you give everything you have. But it's just you know keeping a positive mindset, um, sticking together, uh, getting ready to you know go out there. You know the next day we're out there at practice or whatever meetings and being you know critical on you know when we watch this film, being critical of ourselves, but not to the point where you like start you know worrying in a sense. Like you you need to learn 
and then go out there on the practice field and just focus on the practice and keep going and improving on, you know, what we saw from this week. You know, we need to improve on those things. I think the big thing going into this next week is, you know, we can't have these penalties. You know, I think getting behind the chains, that's not something that we have done. Um, we put ourselves in a bad position early in the game. So cleaning that up, that's something that we'll focus on. But, you know, that, that's what we do. That's what we did last year. That's who we are. Um, you know, our coaches are going to, you know, coach us. We're going to go out there and play. Um, you know, I can't really, you know, I wish the the one to Zach in the red zone, you know, is like six inches shorter, but at the end of the day, we scored um, a couple plays later. So um, I look back, you can never, you know, you can never second guess yourself in this game. It's not, you know, you have to go out there and you have to give everything you have um, and you have to lean on each other. And, you know, I've, I felt like we did that today. I sound like a broken record because I go back to that, but that's the only way I know how to play this game. So. Um, we'll, we'll go back, we're going to look at this film, we're going to improve, and we're going to do what we do. We're going to go out there and have fun and play, play with a lot of energy. So, okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you all. All right, there's Nick Foles speaking to reporters at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. Look, he threw for 334 yards and a touchdown. Okay. I mean, he did everything he could yeah. to bring the Eagles within a victory. Six points short. I mean, he did his part. I, everyone's probably thinking if Carson Wentz is in there, it's magically different. You know, you have to give Carson some time because we don't know what he's going to be able to do right off the jump. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, Doug Peterson, our 101 interview conducted by Hall of Fame wide receiver Mike Quick after they wrapped up the press conference a short time ago. Let's hear what the coach had to say in this interview. Coach, one of the things that I learned a long time ago is respect your opponents. And with that in mind, talk a little bit about this Tampa Bay team and what they possess. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, we saw it in week one against New Orleans, uh, the firepower that they had on, on offense, obviously, and then uh, defensively, the type of personnel that they have. They have a really good front. Yeah. Uh, it's an aggressive group. They're a downhill, fast-flowing defense. A little nicked up in the back end, but you know what? They, they put pressure on the quarterback, and, and that's, what they, that's what they pride themselves on. And, you know, it's something that I, I try to uh, talk to our team a lot about is, is – you know, we're going to get everybody's best every right. single week. Yep. I, I, it doesn't matter. I don't, it doesn't matter. This, for, first of all, this is the National Football League, and, yes. and everybody plays hard every week. But when you're the team that everybody's looking at, we need to play like it. And, and I felt like today we did too many things that, that allowed us not to play the type of football that we're used to playing. You mentioned them being nicked up. Your team a little bit nicked up, too. Now, how did that affect you in adjusting uh, for Jason Peters, for Mike Wallace, and all the injuries that you had? Yeah, it started with JP, you know, early in the football game, and then of course, you know, you're, you're down now to, you know, you know, Big V, who, which is, which is great. We, we don't, we don't lose anything with that, with that transition. But yeah. Mike Wallace went down early in the game, and, and now it really began to shuffle because we were down already with Alshon being out and, and Sproles being out, and, you know, so we had to really. Um, shuffle some things around but try to keep it as consistent as we can we got some young receivers that are playing and so we offensively wanted to make sure that they stayed in their their right positions and right. just we shuffled the tight ends just a little bit talking about the young guys josh perkins he came up pretty big had some big catches especially down the stretch talk about him and his contribution a little bit yeah i, I think we're blessed with three really good tight ends quite honestly and, and zach and dallas and, and josh and, and josh is a player that like dallas we want to get in the mix we want to get in the game and get them into the flow and, and he did some nice things today and um you know we'll just we'll just keep keep him coming keep dallas coming um and and i think it's i think for us it could be an advantage um you know whether we use them all at one time 
or uh, use them in, in different personnel packages. So I uh, was real pleased uh, from the tight end position. But when you look at the depleted receiving core, Mike goes down, you already don't have Alshon, it has to put you at a disadvantage, even as a play caller. I mean, it does. Um, but you know what? I don't. I don't. Even as a play caller, I still try to stay aggressive. I still try to, you know, shoot the ball down the field. I'm, I'm still trying to put it, try to put it in our, our, our you know, in Zach's hands. Try to yep. put it in, 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 in Nelson Aguilar's hands. You know, run the football a little bit. Jay obviously again was uh, him and him and Wendell Corey mixing it up in the run game, the screen game. So it, it's just a matter of finding the right combination. Uh, throughout the ball game that uh, that we can stick with and and uh, uh, give ourselves a chance. You're staying aggressive, also get you in those fourth down situations where you're going to go for it on fourth down, and that's just your philosophy. It is, and today obviously, um, you know, a couple of the fourth downs were towards the end of the game, and they were kind of got to have it situations, and and, yep. and you know the fourth and ten is. It's a tough one to get, but but I uh, felt like in order for us to, to get back in this football game, I was going to do that, and um, we came up short on a couple. But uh, you know, I'm going to maintain that aggressiveness. I'm going to make make sure that our players understand that, uh, and we got to do better on first and second down, yeah. and third down, yeah. to stay out of fourth and long. So um, it goes a little hand in hand. One last thing, coach. You know that this is a big play offense. The Tampa Bay Bucks. How big were the two touchdowns? The first one to Jackson, and then the other one to the tight end Howard. They're big. I mean, yeah. they're big. I mean, those are things we talk about all week. Try to eliminate the big play, and then offensively try to create the big play. And you know, it happened again today. And we just got to continue to study, continue to um, figure out why. You know, um, a lot yep. of football left, a lot yep. of season left. We were in this situation a year ago, one and one. So uh, I'm excited about what's what's ahead of us, and uh, looking forward to getting to work. Thanks, Coach. Good luck Thanks, next Coach. week. Yeah, appreciate it. Yep. All right, thank you very much, Mike and Doug. Now we got plenty more coming up here on the post-game show presented by Rico, including the Rico Review provided by Greg Cosell and Fran Duffy. That's going to come after this break. However, if you're following us on Facebook or Twitter, you need to come on over to PhiladelphiaEagles.com or the app to watch the rest of the show. We'll give you a few minutes to get situated. Trying to get home, but it feels like another life. Yeah, I'm trying to stay strong. Sometimes I realize that the further I go, the more that I know that I want to go home. When you and your money are treated with respect, you prosper. And at Santander Bank, respect adds up. Come and see what's happening at your local Acme. Better sale prices, superior service, and great quality products. Cleaner, friendlier, fresher. Like fresher meat and seafood. And fresher produce and hundreds of organics. And our butchers cut our USDA choice Lancaster beef in store every day. So stop in, shop, and see for yourself why Acme is just better. Acme, the official supermarket of the Philadelphia Eagles.
At Santander Bank, we want you to prosper. That's why we treat you and your money with respect. Learn more about how respect adds up at Santander by visiting SantanderBank.com. All right, welcome back to the Post Game Show presented by Rico. And, you know, going back to something we were talking about before the break about it's not a dire situation with the Eagles losing. For me, I just want to see them stack wins early in the season. You made a great point about the Patriots and how they have to use that first month, those first four games to kind of find themselves. And that's certainly the case here with the Eagles. But still, when you look at the schedule, and we're actually going to get into it much later in the show, you really want to get those wins early, especially with Washington losing earlier today. You could say the Eagles can be 2-0 in the division. Yeah. You know, Dallas is playing in New York tonight, so one will be 1-1, the other will be 0-2. Yep. Just take the, take the lead in the division and crush it from the start. So at least you have that path to the postseason already uh, kind of taken care of, and then you can build from there. So that's, that's why you want to see them come out with the win today more than anything else. No, and you're absolutely right. I mean, you want to be able to win games that are winnable games. You yeah. know, you're not going to go 16-0. and That's obvious. You're going to lose some here and there. And it's not to say that Tampa was an inferior opponent opponent to you, but simple fact is this was a game that you give credit to Tampa for doing what they did, but you didn't play your best today. And that's as a player and coaches, that's what gnaws at you when you when you're on that plane ride back home, when you when you hit the bed tonight and you think you're replaying the game in your head, you're saying to yourself, Man, we gave one away because we didn't play our best today. And the first thing Doug mentioned when he started his press conferences, he talked about the self-inflicted wounds, the penalties, yep. things of that nature, giving up uh, one-play drives. Those are the things that will eat at you until you get a chance to get back on the field next week. All right, so it wasn't the best of homecomings for wide receiver Nelson Aguilar. Had 12 targets, 8 catches, 88 yards, and a touchdown. We are actually going to break down this beautiful touchdown. I still don't know how he came up with an amazing throw by Nick Foles there down at the goal line, beautiful toe-tap reception there to get the ball in for six points. And the hurdle over the photographer is something you don't <laughs> want to miss in a Rico review presented by Fran Duffy and Greg Cosell. Gentlemen, take it away. All right, Greg, let's now look at a play midway through the fourth quarter now where the Eagles are trying to mount a comeback. And you see this touchdown pass on fourth and goal from Nick Foles to Nelson Aguilar. And really, to me, this kind of speaks to the receiver that Nelson Aguilar has become because right. his release off the line of scrimmage here in the red zone in a clutch situation it's a thing of beauty what he does to the rookie MJ Stewart. We got a little excited when we saw this we play, did. thinking maybe we'd have a comeback here. <laughs> but this is a, a two-man route concept. It's yep. a flat seven. And why don't you draw that up? Because you're going to get the seven route by Nelson Aguilar in the slot, and you're going to get the flat route by Shelton Gibson, and you have man-to-man -man coverage here. But you hit it right on the head. There's not a lot of room. You're in the tight red zone. Okay? You're inside the five-yard line. So the routes have to be run with absolute precision. If they're off by just a little bit, this throw can't be made. Yep. So you mentioned Aguilar. What he does so well with his release is get MJ Stewart, the rookie slot corner for the Bucks, turned to the inside. So what that allows him to do now, he wins the leverage game right off the bat. And yep. that's absolutely critical. If Aguilar just runs straight, he doesn't gain the leverage needed to run the seven route. So let's clear this, uh, Fran, and let's see that happen now. And if we run this now, we can see exactly what Aguilar did. Boom, look at that right there, and it frees it right about there. See how he's won right now? Yep. He's won to the outside. And because there's not a lot of space, you have to do that as quickly as possible. And because it's man coverage, the other corner is matched on Gibson. He's not going to be a big factor, but this was still really a very tight window throw. 
right there. This is beautiful, so let's clear it. And now we can see the throw. The corner does drop off, and Foles, Nick Foles made about as beautiful a throw as you could make on that because there's not a lot of space, and you're working, like I said, in the tight red zone. Yeah, so it makes it 27-21. The Eagles unable to get a stop there at the end of the game, but outstanding throw and catch there from Nelson Aguilar and Nick Foles to help bring it within a score just couldn't get it all done no. today. Obviously, a tough outing for this Eagles team. Yeah, and it was probably a tough outing for the Eagles defense. We're not used to seeing that with the Jim Schwartz defense. They normally play at such a high level week in and week out. But the Bucks with Ryan Fitzpatrick, they're on a nice little roll offensively, and they have a lot of weapons. We saw that today. Yeah, no question. You'd like to see that game go a little bit differently there at the end. But, guys, a lot to learn from here in this Eagles loss on all three sides of the ball, honestly, offense, defense, and special teams. All right, so McDonald's proud partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, so that great stuff there from Fran and Greg, and you can check out the entire All-22 review first thing tomorrow morning here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the app. Now we're going to take our last break here on the post-game show presented by Rico, and on the other side we're going to look ahead to the schedule. Again, Indianapolis coming to town next week, as well as give you the Toyota Player of the Week nominees. You will not want to miss it. Eagles High School Football Showdown, presented by the Rothman Institute at Jefferson, celebrates local high school football coaches and their teams. Visit PhiladelphiaEagles.com showdown to check out this year's coaches and learn more about the program. Here is your chance to vote for the Toyota Player of the Week. Go to PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Toyota Player of the Week to cast your vote and get a chance at a brand new Toyota. All right, so we're going to kick things off here. The Toyota Player of the Week nominees with running back Corey Clement. Darren Sproles out, stepped up in a big way, taking on a bigger role, especially on third downs. And then Jay Ajayi gets hurt in the first half, so he has to shoulder more of the load on offense. And I thought it brought a lot of juice to the run game out there. Yeah, you know, when Corey gets the ball in his hands, he brings a different little element, right? He runs the ball hard, runs with determination. 
Um, and fans alike wanted to see Corey become a little bit more a part of the offense this week. Certainly didn't want it due to someone else's misfortune. But when you see Jay Ajayi go out early in the game, you know that Corey Clement is going to get a chance to touch the ball a little bit more today. And I like the fact that he catches the ball out of the backfield. Five catches today, 55 yards. Had a nice run after the catch. Unfortunately, had his punt return call back due to a block in the back, but uh, uh, look forward to seeing Corey touch the ball a little bit more. Runs with that determination that he had last year. Just need a few more opportunity in a crowded backfield. You never know where those opportunities are going to present itself. I like the fact that he was ready to roll today when he, when he was called upon. Also, we'll go down and make, spe- uh, make tackles on special oh, yeah. teams as well. Big, Still a big part of his game. That's how he got on the field initially. Yep. Last season as a rookie and still continues that to this day. Scary moment in the fourth quarter when he took that Helmet-to-helmet shot there going for that fourth down pass. Great to see him come back in the game and look no worse for wear as a result of it. So our first nominee there is Corey Clement. Number two, we're going to go with defensive tackle Fletcher Cox, who spectacular move early on in the game, shoving Cal Bannock around to be able to get to Ryan Fitzpatrick for a sack, especially at a time when the Eagles really needed something on defense to spark themselves after the slow start there. Uh, Fletcher Cox just dominant in the middle of that defense once again. It seems like that Fletcher Cox might be a nominee each and every week for this team. Yeah, and he put the target on his back, you know, in the offseason when he said his goal is to be defensive player of the year. You know, his agent mate and Aaron Donald got it last year, so I know that's part of the motivation for Fletcher, but I'm all for it. And every game Fletcher has played in in 2018, that includes preseason games, He's got a sack in. Yes. So every game, if he keeps doing that, he'll finish with 16 sacks, and he'll be right there in the hunt for what he's striving for, Defensive Player of the Year. All right, our last nominee here. We're going to go back to the wide receiver position, Nelson Aguilar. We talked about him a few moments ago in the Rico Review with that touchdown that he had, beautiful catch uh, from Nick Foles. But overall, just the one guy that you can count on to make things happen on the offense, whether if it's a short pass, a short reception just to get move the chains, or to come up with a big play. He had the catch and run for 50 yards out there today. So Nelson Aguilar, once again, also a nominee for the Toyota Player of the Week Award. Yeah, really a lot of pressure on Nelly. Getting a chance to go back and play in, in, a, in the city where he grew up, down there in uh, Tampa, Florida. And uh, for the first time being in uh, Raymond James Stadium, I thought he had a nice game. And the thing about Nelson that I like, this year is his mental toughness. He's basically being called upon to shoulder the load in the passing game. You know, they move him all around, short passes. Like to see him get a few more deep throws if we get a chance to. But he even has to be a part of the running game at times. So really being that ultimate weapon uh, for our offense, nice job from Nelson Aguilar, man. The last two years for him, just been fantastic. The reason why we drafted him in the first round a few years ago. Yeah, sixth captain for today's game. Yeah, so deservingly so. Yeah, exactly. Tip of the cap to him having a big game going back to his hometown. So those are your Toyota Player of the Week nominees. Now let's take a look at the upcoming schedule. Again, next week, the Eagles will host the Indianapolis Colts. Frank Reich and Andrew Luck come to town. And it's going to be a much more interesting matchup. The Colts beating Washington today. So they get the first win under the belt for Frank Reich there as head coach. Andrew Luck coming back into form after missing all of last season with a shoulder injury. So again, there are some playmakers on that side of the ball for the Colts. You can't dismiss them. But again, we talked about this earlier in the show. This defense has been so much different at home. You figure if they can get to Andrew Luck early and often, they should make it a long day because the Colts do not have a running game they can rely upon. Yeah, I'm excited about this game next week. First of all, it's at home. So so, so I'm certainly (laughs) excited about that. 
But uh, we haven't gotten a chance to see Andrew Luck here at Lincoln Financial Field. So uh, this is a guy who was tabbed as being one of the bright young quarterbacks of the future of the National Football League, uh, that next generation quarterback. Couple injuries the last couple of years has sort of flown under the radar when it comes to who are the future stars in the NFL at the quarterback position. That talent is still there in Andrew Luck. So don't sleep on the fact that you haven't seen him in the last two years. He still has the ability to beat you with his arm. He does. So again, they get the Colts and then they go to Tennessee the week after that. And if the Eagles can handle their business the next two weeks, It'll be three and one through the first quarter of the season. I think most fans would take that and sign up for it instantly. Well, you know what the discussion will be this week. The report that came out this weekend, the number 11 is close. Uh, indeed. And of he course. may play next we week. We haven't even touched that one. <laughs> Stay away from that one. Okay, we figure we got I'm all week. i it's there. We got all week. You know what? On Marks and Reese starting tomorrow afternoon on Sports Radio 94 WFP. You we'll can handle that. Yeah, we'll you have fun with it. that one. So again, it's the thing is going to be. I would love to see him come back this week. I would love to see he and Alshon come back together this week to ignite the offense. But we just can't put, you know, we can't expect them to come out and be Carson Wentz 2017. We can't expect them to come out from the gate and be an MVP quarterback again. I think that's being put too much. That's on unrealistic. His plate. No, that's it's not realistic. Because yeah. again, I think Nick Foles played a very efficient game. Carson will bring that explosive element, okay, from the deep arm, the ability to make plays with his feet, certainly he's going to have that. But how much will we see of that early on? Is he going to be a different style quarterback coming back from the knee injury? I don't think he will, right. but we're not going to know. It's, it's a great be point. And I tell you, Nick playing the way that he played this week, the offense is starting to find a little something. So yeah. he's throwing the ball around well, starting to get, gain some confidence uh, in his ability to throw the ball with these weapons that he has, he has around him, so, somewhat of a revolving door you know, may have been able to hold off on bringing in number 11 and back. So, number nine's playing well, man. Exactly. So, and, and number nine's probably like, you give me 17, you give me Alshon back. Right. We can make some, we saw we the Super Bowl. With that, we saw yeah. the Vikings championship game. I can make something happen with yep. him out there on the field, especially considering that Mike Wallace reports are that he was in a boot in the locker room. So, we don't know what his long-term prognosis is going to be or if he'll be available for next week's game against the Colts. Well, nonetheless, that's going to do it for us here on the post-game show presented by Rico. For Ike Reese and all of us here at the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm Chris McPherson. Thanks for joining us. Unfortunately, the Eagles go down 27-21 to to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But stay tuned throughout the night and tomorrow for complete coverage on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, our app, and all of our social media channels. Everyone, have a great Eagles afternoon.